first summoning episode of Good Omens Season 1. Well, actually, of Good Omens, because Season 1 only gets the one. But you know what I mean! Yay! Yay, we're here. I'm Vero. And I'm Lena. In case you didn't know. And we are drinking. Yes, if you couldn't tell because you are one of the wonderful people who found us because of Good Omens... This is how this works. Summoning episodes (laughs) mean we are even worse than usual and we drink. Inconceivable. And we argue and we lose track of time and everything is chaos. So as we are wont to do, we have already been talking half an hour on recording, half an hour before that, or an an hour hour before before that, that. an hour before that. And so um, very soon we're going to have to take a break to refill our drinks because we're idiots. We should have done that before we started drinking. Excuse uh, me, we, I have, no, before we I started have recording, a bottle right here. We, yeah, yeah I, have a, I have my bottles right here. Oh, see, my alcohol comes out of the fridge and my fridge is on the other end of my apartment. And my <gasps> apartment is huge. And so it I need to go there. Far, far I mean, away. now you actually have been in my apartment. So you know how big my apartment is. With your alcohol. Alcohol in the fridge. I don't know this far, song. Far, far away. Oh, wow. There she goes. Yeah, here we go mm. again. No, but uh, Vero has actually been in my home. I have, I have, I have. It's very black. It's not. Just have quite a few black uh, furniture things. And... <laughs> it's like, I, I have put you on the spot. I'm sorry. Uh, it's not as black as it looks when I look at her on the camera. Because she is literally in darkness. She is the darkness. The queen of darkness. That is a crazy ex-girlfriend song. Um, Oh my god, help. (laughs) Help. Kitten, help. She's talking about it again. I haven't mentioned this in a while. Our uh, special episode where we talked about crazy ex-girlfriend is still going very strong. Just wanted to mention it once again. How? Why? What did I? What did I do to deserve this? Somebody. Have you met yourself? Oh no! Now I made her cry. So, um, speaking of making her cry, (laughs) because we have done this six times before, we have a rough idea how we're doing this, and we just decided to do it the same way for good omens. So we are gonna talk about the season one. And we're going to talk about our favorite character. We're going to talk about our least favorite character. We're going to talk about the most character development. We're going to talk about the least character development. And I totally did not notice that Vero completely forgot to do this. Because we didn't add it to the actual list. Then, after we have talked about characters, we're going to talk about the best British word. Because if you might remember, there have been at least 12, it's actually 13, best British word candidates in the past six episodes. So, obviously, we're going to have to talk about which one we think is the best. And then we are going to have a book segment because, spoilers, we recorded... Five plus hours talking about the book and the differences between the book and the show and every little tiny moment that Vero loved in the book, which I was not expecting. I was holding myself back so much. That's what they said. Um, 
No, because if if we mentioned every single moment that I loved in the book, we would still be recording that episode. And this is going to come out in the future. We don't know how many episodes it's going to be in the end. It depends on how much Vero can bear to take out of it. But just in case you do not want to listen to that wonderfully long thing that will be in the future, that will be there. I don't know what future two is in English, but uh, in German it's uh, wir werden es gehört haben or something. Yes. Never okay. mind me. Or something. So we're going to talk a bit about the book and because I'm me, I also did sub-segments there. I did better in the book, better in the show and general stuff about the book. And then, because we also have done this in the past, we are going to talk about the questionnaire that we have accumulated over the course of season one. It's surprisingly short because we have not edited the book episode yet where many, many questions uh, were have risen, <laughs> have been raised. <laughs> have been raised. And it was very fitting because so many questions were raised and we recorded over Easter, which is when Jesus was Oh my raised. God. So I can't, be- I, I can't believe that you piss at me for, you, for, for making puns and then you do that. <laughs> Once we go wow. over the questionnaire, we are going to make wild assumptions for the future because for once we have no idea what the future holds. And so I really, really look forward to this. And then, speaking of the future, we will talk about the future of the Apple of Truth. We have a future. We're not going anywhere. Don't you fret, dear Marius. There's a song in Le Miserable. Okay. Well, uh, now that uh, the categories that I have, I'm the one who suggested them and you're the one who didn't add them to the list that I then used as my stencils on the... To, to, to do my notes. I'm going to definitely blame you on that one. Uh, mm-hmm. Since I have definitely prepared those and not, you know, scrambled around a little bit to put them together now. Do you um, want me to I get say... another drink so that you have like two more minutes to write something or... No, it's fine. I'll I'll just... I'll just... You know, I know my feelings about these characters in these episodes. So um, I will say let's cheer to the first segment of the Good Omens show. And with the two fingers of whiskey that I currently have in my hand, I will will cheer. Cheer to that with my one third (laughs) Hellas that I still have. See, now now who's the uh, Zarephal and now who's the Crowley? Hmm. Do you think Aziraphale is more a beer person than a whiskey person? No. I would say that Crowley is definitely more a whiskey person than Aziraphale is. Really? I'd say. I if, feel if like I whiskey is more distinguished or... No. Aziraphale is a wine person for sure. Yeah, and because then, it's fancy. Yeah, whiskey then, is then, more fancy than beer. No, yes, but... It's more, um, it gives me Crowley vibes. I would definitely say, so see, that's a great segment that we didn't get to write down. But um, if I would think of an alcoholic beverage that is um, associated with either of our ineffable husbands, it would definitely be wine for Israfel and, and whiskey, whiskey for Crowley. For Crowley. I am with you there. But I am in strong disagreement that Aziraphale would ever be a beer drinker. I think he would if he was at the first year of Oktoberfest. Oh, no. Aziraphale would never go there. No, 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 no. No, no, not the... It's much too trashy. Not 
the now Oktoberfest, the traditional old one when you have the um, traditional food and there's no <laughs> tourists and you just have to uh, pair the beer with the, do you know, the one that, that the monk, uh, that the monks have, have done back in the day. So uh, he mm-hmm, would hang mm-hmm. out with the monks. Mm-hmm. He's probably the person who invented beer in the first place. No, 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 no. Yes. I'm willing to agree that Aziraphale would enjoy a rare sour beer. I mean, he would, but I'm, I am standing here. And whiskey is his... a Crowley drink. Yes, whiskey yes. is a have Crowley seen... drink. I'm sorry, have you seen Aziraphale's beer gut? That's a food belly, my dear. That's a food belly. It's a little beer belly. No, that's a food belly. Totally got it from beer. Mm-hmm. Well, we are just going to have to agree to disagree on this one. And uh, do you want me to put it on the question list? Because we don't actually have enough questions. Yes, edit, edit, edit. Okay. Edit, not edit. Those two things. <laughs> Add it. Yeah, there. There you go. I got there. Add it. So is the question, does Aziraphale drink beer or... Did Aziraphale invent beer with the monks? <laughs> with the trapeze monks? Oh my god, summoning one. <laughs> so, you know what? We all know, and as uh, by now all of our listeners have learned, our summoning episode questions are top of, top of the line, always. Even the Lucifer creators agreed, so I think that we win here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, our questions are more than special. <laughs> Check out the like Lucifer us. interview. Oh yeah, we are the most specialist of them all. Mm-hmm. Good. Speaking of special, have you made up your mind which is your favorite character in all of season one Good Omens? I'm going to go really boring. Oh, I have an really... obvious choice and I have a non-obvious choice. Okay, I'm going to start because I have just an obvious choice. And my obvious choice is Crowley. Because uh, the that reasoning behind that... is also my obvious choice. Yeah. The reasoning behind it is because um, we have established that I am the Azrafel of the relationship. So obviously I need to be in love with Crowley. Aww. First of all. But... <laughs> Okay, I, I'm loving this. Also makes me very uh, egotistical in my choice, but good. <laughs> However, he is going through so much and we he has multitudes. Crowley has so much in him. And I immensely enjoyed every single detail because he's not a good guy by any means. But he does good things based on uh, his own moral background or moral compass or whatever. And I really, really enjoyed when people do that. So, or characters when they do that. And if you know me, you know that I do enjoy a bit of a, I don't want to say villain, because it's not necessarily villain, but I enjoy a bit of an anti-hero who uh, doesn't necessarily do good things to be good. He does them for for his own motivations, because I find that interesting. Mm -hmm. And Kroll is definitely one of those. My reasoning is he's sassy, he wears great pants, (laughs) and also... So Crowley of you. Exactly. So... (laughs) Mostly the plan scene is just, it kills me every single time. It is absolutely amazing the way he, the way we see his character in how he interacts with his plans and everything. So my very obvious choice, and I have been singing the praises of Crowley the entire six episodes that we recorded. But because I assumed that you would go for either Aziraphale or Crowley, I was like, oh no, I'm going to have a backup. It's going to be non-obvious. Do you want to take a a step into the dark? Who is my non-obvious favorite character? I'm going to go ahead. 
this is difficult. I have two choices. I'm gonna say both, and then I'm gonna say the one that I'm that I think that it's. It, I think it's most likely going to be Madame Tracy, but it also could be Gabriel. Neither. My non obvious choice for favorite character is Pepper. Oh my god, of course. Yeah, I should have said that that will that that's the obvious third choice that I didn't think of. Yeah. I feel it's yeah. a very obvious non-obvious choice for me because Pepper is just so kick-ass and also it's such a rare instance for me where I enjoy the child's acting within the character and I enjoy the child's character as something relatable because yeah hanging with the boys when you were young and like having issues with the expectations that are placed on female kids and it is very relatable to me I outgrew some of my uh I'm not gonna do this because I'm not like those girls uh bullshit behaviors yeah I don't like pink because everybody says pink is a girl color. Yeah, and so obviously I hate pink and pink is oh, bad yeah. and dolls are bad and yes. everything soft Unless is bad. And like, yeah, of course, like missing heads is great because we're also goth and Pepper would make a great goth. I very much relate with Pepper. I love everything about Pepper and her facing off war, not just in the show, but also in the book is just like mm, chef's fucking kiss. Yeah, no, I you're, you're absolutely right. I'm going to admit I completely forgot about the children. So <laughs> wait, so they're not in the next segment for you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <clears throat> Which segment? The worst characters. How? Di- no, they're not in the next. No, they're they're not in there for me as well, but you're still going to hate me for my choice so i mean i know that you're gonna who you're gonna go for but ooh, do you know well i i have a pretty good idea because you did not hold back when you were talking about him neither the book or nor the show so tell me is it newt of course it is (laughs) yes do i have to explain why (laughs) yes yes for our listeners just so it's all in one place I'm just going to be here uh, sucking on my whiskey because I feel betrayed. The thing is, the actor does his very best to make Newt likable. But Newt, for me, is completely non-relatable on any level. Mm. And that makes it so hard because I contemplated taking Shadwell. But Shadwell at least is interesting to me. Because the bigotry within Shadwell and how he in parts overcomes it is at least interesting. I still don't like Shadwell, but at least there's something there. There's substance. Newt to me is Captain fucking Cardboard. There is no depth to him. There is no context to him. I cannot relate to him. And I also do not feel that he benefits anyone around him outside of the, oh, when I touch a mechanical thing, it dies. Which is not a character property, but it's like he has a current running through himself or something. Like It's like... (laughs) Well, that's not entirely true because he is there to help Anathema not just stop the world ending, but he is also there to help her become her own person. And he's the person, he's the one who pushes her to come out of the descendant shell and become her own person. I feel like Sho Anathema would have gotten there herself. And I also don't appreciate a man being the one saving the woman from her perceived destiny. Does not work for me. 
Okay, I can see where you're coming from, but also fuck you. Um, I mean, uh, I didn't mean I, I didn't mean to say fuck you. I meant to say fuck fuck you. No. Um, that's very totally fine. Let it go. Well, now I'm very curious. If it's not Shadwell, who would your worst character be? <laughs> I never said it's not Shadwell because it is Shadwell. I tell okay. you who it is. It's Shitwell. <laughs> no. So because we have just read the book as well after watching the show or like continuously to watching the show depending of who you ask i have to say i am less angry and hateful towards shadwell i have stopped calling him shitwell however if we take the show alone and we are today talking about the season one of the show he is incredibly terrible human being yes and no disagreement I just, there i just ah. I just don't understand why so many people are giving him a pass because he is he he is lovable in his racism. He is lovable in his bigotry. I get where it's coming from, but also we should not do that to men because men should not create the the precedence. It's of, not cute to be yeah, shitty. Yeah, exactly. It is not it may have been cute 30 years ago because we didn't attack these things full on and head on and and out these structures, in the open yeah. but today we should all come and like I okay you know what I don't want to come out and say cancel culture and stuff like that but we should cancel not culture tolerate is it a thing so you can no, yeah you know but you know what I mean like I know that a lot of people are like yeah but like you know back then it was funny so why can't we like laugh at it now I say because if we don't call out this bullshit and if we don't say I mean yes it's entertaining on some level but it's also wrong and if we don't admit that to ourselves who are we really helping so I'm gonna attack shit well just for the reason that he is being forgiven way too much and I don't think he deserves it. I don't think he works enough or hard enough or he is a good enough person or he does good enough things for me to accept him as he is as a character. He is an interesting character. I'm not gonna say no yeah. to that. But that doesn't I just, make I him just not can't let it go. Yeah. yeah. I, I I just can't let it go. I feel like I'm in full agreement with literally everything you said. Thank the you. only difference for me oh, yeah. is if someone is shit but interesting, they are less likely in a fictional setting for me to be rated as the worst character. Because mm. for me, the worst thing is to bore me. Yeah, I suppose. Like, there's, there's two options that land you on the worst character list. That is you bore me or you make me legit angry. Yes. And, yeah. and they like, manage with Shitwell to not make me legit angry because he is so sad. He is such a sad character. He pitiful. is so he pitiful. He is such a pitiful character that he does not rile me up. And you were mm. right. We should not let it go because oh the poor little old man and he doesn't know better. You are absolutely right. But there's my own experiences and life and everything relating in there because, eh, well, there was a grandpa in my life who had very problematic views and I was a grandpa. You're still amazing. So it's not good, no. but it's how but we relate is, to fictional characters, you know? This is completely understandable. And I, and I see where this is coming from. And if I look at my life and if I look at people in my life, I can guarantee you that I can find people like that in my life mm -hmm. and people that I have forgiven things like this. This is yeah. why 
within me, it's way more difficult to forgive a fictional character because I'm like, but I can yell at them without actually being hurt. You Good know? point. Good point. If, if I go up to my uh, late grandfather and if I yelled at him about his political views and and why he treats, why he would say randomly uh, treat women the way he mm. would. I'm not saying that that is specifically my grandfather, but uh, if I if I uh, what's the word when I have an interaction with somebody interact no. come in contact if, if I confront if I confront him in real life if I confront this person I will end up hurting them I will er- end up hurting myself and it's gonna be a whole emotional mess while it's if safer. I yell yeah yeah it, while if I yell at a fictional character I'm like fuck you, you're a terrible person. And I know it's <laughs> hypocritical of me to do this. No, it's a but safe also way I'm to trying evolve. To relearn, yeah, I'm trying to relearn my patterns here. Yeah, so, it's a safe way to evolve and then you yeah. can use the things you learn in a fictional safe setting in your real life. And yes. that is how we grow sometimes. Yay. Ah, well, this, this was nice and wholesome. Surprisingly, while we were talking about the worst characters. <laughs> Makes sense, though. Makes sense. Uh, don't overthink it. It makes sense. <laughs> okay, Joe. Remember when I didn't realize that that was the same jingle as the intro? I do. I do that remember that. That was so fucking funny. Hmm. That was a Lucifer reference, my dear listeners. So if you listen to six seasons of that, you know what we're meaning. You know what we're talking about. If not... What are you even doing here? Listen to Six Seasons of Lucifer. Go on. Yeah, yeah. Watch it. Listen to it. Listen to it again. No, just, just watch listen it to again. it. Just Don't listen watch to it. it. Just listen to it because it makes perfect sense. I'm totally sure. Totally, totally. Seriously, it would be fucking hilarious. We totally did not just talk for like 15 minutes about something completely different. We go into our Nothing next segment. Factual. That is a most character development. And once again, I have an obvious choice and a non-obvious choice. So you go Wait. first. So to me, the most obvious choice for this specific, the most development character is Adam. Oh, wow. That did not even register for me. Do explain. I mean, I did have like a backup would be Newt, but... uh, What? Adam, to me... I'm, I'm gonna get, I'm, okay, 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 I'm gonna get to Newt. Uh, To me, Adam starts off as just a kid. He is in his routine. He is living his life the way he's always lived his life. And then throughout the show, he becomes the Antichrist. He literally becomes the all-powerful human slash not-so-human being and has to realize and figure out what to do with this kind of power. He needs to come to a certain conclusion in order for the world to continue the way it is. And he manages to do that with, on the show, help of our ineffable husband while also having the help of the dem. And then in the end, he sort of goes back to being just a boy, but not really because he has this experience of, like, you know, he has this experience of being and knowing and having the all power and everything. So in a way, he's the same as he was at the beginning but he's not at all. The only reason he's the same as he's, he is at the beginning is is that he chooses to be just a boy. And by making that conscious choice, he is in a, on a very different spectrum than he was at the beginning. So yeah, that's why I chose Adam. I love every single point 
in this. Ooh. In my brain, it was like he starts as a kid and he ends as a kid with a bit more special. And so like the overall arc for me was like, oh yeah, there's like a peak. But in the end, we <laughs> return very, very close to where we were because he was always a special kid. Because he was always a bit different than everyone else. And in the end, he is a bit different than everyone else, which is why I didn't clock him. My obvious choice is Aziraphale. Because he starts out as a very flying under the radar, not taking a stand, believing in the good of heaven and the angels. And in the end, he is a rebel. He snapped away the soldier. He faced off the forces of heaven and hell and Satan himself. He made the choice to open up towards Crowley with them, you go too fast for me, but he still chooses to go into that direction because when in the end they go together to the Ritz, this is a choice that he makes when they take the bus together back, when they switch places. All of these are deliberate choices that he makes for this relationship and before that when he faces off heaven when he does the unthinkable and inhabits a human so to me Aziraphale was the very very obvious choice because Crowley Crowley always was a rebel in a way Mm -hmm. but Aziraphale so wasn't (laughs) see this is if you compare Good Omens Crowley and Lucifer Lucifer Tom Ellis Lucifer they're very similar there's a lot of parallels there yes yes which shockingly enough this is the first time I'm actually making this connection but I don't know if it's the whiskey this is maybe why I have Crowley so connected to whiskey as a drink no, also, this is something that we should talk about um, once we have done season two, mm-hmm. once it is out and we see if there's more Crowley in it and more context and everything. We do, we should do a comparison. Yeah, just just for the sake of it, because at yeah. that point, uh, Crowley is, uh, like all the characters in Good Omens are from the pen of Neil Gaiman, while Lucifer and all the characters there may have started out as those characters, as characters that are coming from Neil Gaiman, but they have been reshaped and, and sent in a completely different direction. Directions. Yeah, but all the characters the in Good show. Omens were not just Neil Gaiman. They're also Pratchett. So they, you mean from Neil the Pratchett. beginning, yeah, yeah, have it. like more potential than just Neil's imagination. Yeah. So yeah. it would be very interesting because I'm yeah. pretty sure we would be able to draw quite a few more parallels because if we're going to go Crowley Lucifer, I do see some parallels between Chloe and Aziraphale. Oh, for sure. Okay, who's Which... Trixie? <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, we no, should Pepper, no, let's Pepper talk is about Trixie. this. Pepper let's, is talk, Trixie. let's talk about this. Like seriously, not now, but this yeah, should we're be gonna, something. We're gonna do this. The, yeah. We could do it as a bonus episode. Yes, at some point. I absolutely fucking love the idea. When I edit this, I'm gonna put a pin in the Discord. Yay. So, do you want to take a stab what my non-obvious choice for most character development is? Because I'm pretty sure you will not be able to guess it. Madame Tracy. No! God damn it! Quite Just the opposite. choose her for something. Oh, I will. Um, it's Doc. Oh my god! No, that's such a good choice, though. That is such a good choice. Because you can go visually, which, like, there is this ginormous difference <laughs> and change in everything. 
and you can go from a character point of view because that's that's from perfect. the hellhound to the oh I do everything my master bids me to actually not following Adam to then being the one to get Adam out of the garden like it is just a beautiful development with so little and I love it oh god a, a little demon getting Adam out of the garden yes yeah epic but no it. yeah you know do you want to know why I was considering choosing Newt for this I'm very curious because I'm gonna spoiler you my two options for least character development mm-hmm. Newt and Madame Tracy <laughs> <laughs> Fair so enough. I am very, very curious how either how you are going to make a case for either when it comes to most character development. When I said Madame Tracy, I was just trying to find out somebody who would be the least obvious, which makes kind of sense that that then she's I have the her on the negative. Yes. Yeah, she's on the other <laughs> side of the spectrum because I was like. Who's the least obvious one that I could never guess would be Madame Tracy. But with Newt, we have him starting out as nobody. We have him starting out as somebody who literally breaks everything he touches. And by the end, and this is something that's kind of in the book as well, by the end of the story, he kind of finds a purpose. He finds himself a little bit he starts believing in his own ideas and he starts kind of pushing or like being a bit more vocal uh, more himself which yes in the end he is still the one who uh, touches the thing and it breaks but being the kind of a person who is just that and he just wishes he could be something more and then being something more and actually attributes to saving the world and while also finding somebody who sees interest in him and stuff like that, which is like, I don't, I'm with you. I don't really love the whole uh, means to an end men, women kind of a relationship. That's not what I'm, what I'm getting at. But he kind of works through a lot of trauma, I feel like. And he finds his place in the world, in a sense. So I think that's a huge development. And it's very difficult to do. My issue is that everything that you're describing is not coming out of him. It's coming out of people around him. Everything with Newt is external. No but it change necessarily is... mean that it, it's not changing within. With but that's the, the thing. The, in yeah. the show, we do not see the change within. And that is my main reasoning as to why Newt is my obvious choice for least character development. In the beginning, he is the person who tries to fix something electrical and instead he breaks it. That is his one big attribute. And also, he is shy and awkward. Th- those are the defining characteristics of Newt. And he continues being that. Every change that we see, him being more assertive, comes through anathema because due to the prediction, she knows they're going to end up together. Him not being in contact with tech, but instead having something else that he now finally might try his hand with, comes from Shadwell because Shadwell is such an old-timer, non-progressive person that there is literally nothing electric in his entire fucking apartment. And, I mean, seriously, what is more the antithesis to tech, let's burn witches? Like, technology versus witch-burning. Witchcraft. It's like, Mm. come on, it doesn't get more opposed to each other. And also, he is a witchfinder due to his ancestry, which, again, something not from within him. 
But not necessarily, because he doesn't choose it. He doesn't actually find out about it until doesn't, later. Still, doesn't matter. All of this is preconceived. All of this is written. And that's the thing. Everything around this, it is not within him. It is placed upon him. And in the few moments where he would have an opportunity to do something within himself, like the encounter with the aliens, he completely fumbles. And... The only thing that has changed, like actually changed, is that he's no longer a virgin. And that is also thanks to Anathema. <laughs> oh, God. And so nude for me was very much the obvious choice on the negative level for least character development. Madame Tracy is my obvious choice for a positive least character development because she already was pretty awesome. <laughs> and she is still pretty awesome at the end. But she knew yeah. about the supernatural because she is completely not surprised when Aziraphale joins her body and shares the space with her. She is completely on board with everything. She is forgiving towards pretty much everything except killing a child. Um, which makes sense. Um, she is open-minded. She is, she's kind. She's caring. She's everything. But she is that in the beginning and she is that in the end. Mm. So she also doesn't really have any development, but I'm okay with that because she's already great. Yeah, that's fair enough. So those are my two options. Do you want to know my least development? So I obviously have not covered your least development so far. So no. I'm going to go with... Gabriel or Hester? Huh, that would not have been a terrible choice, but I think you go in the right direction, but no. <laughs> My choice for this category is extremely obvious if you think about it, and it's very, very boring because there's really... Oh no, did you go with God? No, no. Okay. I went with the horseman, though. Huh. Because they that start is off... Smart. They, they, the, the, they can't develop because they are literally an idea. Yeah, the they idea, are a concept. Yeah, they're a concept Ooh. that does not change. So, yes, from that perspective, Professor they are the smart most brain. Damn. Okay, okay. Yeah. You win this one because <laughs> damn. No, because a concept can't change. Yeah. yeah because if the if the concept changes, they cease to exist. And it becomes something new like uh pestilence and pollution. Exactly. <sighs> So um, uh, if you can't see me, I am mentally Damn. doing a victory laps around my room. I am but fucking mentally impressed. Because I'm too lazy for a real one. I am fucking impressed. This is a really, really good point. I'm so proud of myself right now. Nice. <laughs> Also, I'm very smug, and also it doesn't really need any further explanation. So no, no, no. This yeah, is why I'm like, right. this is a little boring. So yes. No, this is perfect. Oh my god, I love this. <laughs> okay. Cheers to finishing the first segment after 90 minutes of recording and maybe 30 minutes of usable audio. Wow. We did so well. I'm so proud of us. Yeah, we totally did not talk about completely unrelated shit that's never gonna see the fucking light of day. We would oh. never. Okay, so the next segment is the best British word. And I don't know about you, but I have three and they are ranked. So, my dear listeners, do you remember all of do the available remember? British words? Because I sure didn't. Because we finished recording these episodes so long ago. <laughs> months. Actually, yes, months. And so I went through my notes and I had Vero go for her notes to provide me with her six words. And I 
edit my seven words because I'm a fucking overachiever. Well, listen, I also had a seventh word, but I chose not to use it because uh, we also had petticoats on my list, but I didn't choose to send that to you because okay. I was like, hey, I chose to talk about the other one. So I'm oh, I talked about both, which is why I included both. I technically talked about both, but I chose to talk about the other one. So so very quickly, I'm going to get us through all 13 potential words that mm. might have been chosen. And those are in order of the episodes. I'm going to be very me-centered and start with mine. And so it's going to be one me, one you, two me, two you, etc., etc. Boom! So it was ineffable or scrumptious and sully. It was tardy and bugger. It was tetchy and foment. It was precipitate and lorry. It was pansy and whittle. It was tickety-boo and brandish. So I only took one, but I had an incredibly hard time choosing. But I had a hard time choosing with basically half of the available words. Like I loved so many of our words and like brandish is amazing. Whittle is amazing. Tickety-boo is amazing. As bad as pansy is, I still fucking loved it. Like, there were so many words. Ineffable felt like such an obvious choice. Bugger is just, like, a fucking hilarious word. Like, there were so <laughs> many words. I was like, ah. But in the end, I settled down on just one fucking word. So if you have three, take us through number three, number two, number one, I say. And if mine is among them, I shall say jinxies. Okay, well, I will start with number three. For me and this is as you said a very important word for the entire tv show so it's ineffable. and it is ineffable <laughs> it is ineffable because ah, it is it. i felt like it had to be put on in the ranking just for the importance and you know it's a word that i did not come across before i came across good omens and i love Same. the word it's so good I did not pick it because it was too obvious to me and I was like, no. But second, and this is a word that I chose because it had the most complex and complicated explanation. So that is probably the one that I chose because that is the reason why I chose it. And it is it is a word that you had and it is extremely obnoxious. To me. And I remember I was editing the episode where you chose that and I was, it was, it just, there is a lot. And the word is precipitate. Jixies! That is my favorite word simply due to the fact that the explanation of it is nearly one page long. It was so much. And I remember when you were telling me it, I was like, what? And then I was listening to it again when I was editing it. And I was like, what? So you did not notice before we started recording today. And I was complaining about the shit weather in Munich and the surprisingly nice weather I in did, Dublin. I, I did notice you said it. I snuck it in. You used it. You used it. I saw. I you used it in a, a sentence. <laughs> I am proud of you because I would have never been able to do that. So I deliberately snuck it in today because ever since I learned all the levels of the word precipitate, I have actively been trying to include it in my vocabulary. So just a quick reminder for those who don't remember, precipitate happens in the episode when Aziraphale asks the Metatron which event precipitates the Armageddon. 
And so I thought back then that it would mean to come before something. No, 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 no. It's a more active word. It literally means as a verb to cause. And then there's like more add-ons. Like it's to cause unexpectedly, to cause prematurely, blah, blah, blah. And then there was this whole chemistry and weather stuff. That was added on to it. And because I'm me, I included all of this. And so I love this word. And that is why I went with it. Okay, but if this is not your favorite word, let me take a step. Let me take a step. What is your favorite? I say your favorite is brandish. I did consider brandish because it is a beautiful word. And we had so much fun with it. Oh, so good. However, I did end up choosing foment. Oh, okay. Yeah, I understand that. Because I loved how I loved the history of the word. Yeah. And I loved where it's coming from. And it's the fact that it now means stir up and and like instigate and, and something like that. And in history, it was very literally bathe in something <laughs> so it's just like like stir up in soap basically i it just it it's just such a good word and i really really enjoyed learning about it so the evolution yes. of the word was incredibly interesting that yeah. is absolutely true it's very very good and there was another one that that i really enjoyed but uh this is this is definitely extremely beautiful to 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 research and then share with you my childish brain zeroed zeroed in on Whittle ever since Jib. <laughs> yeah. The little Whittle. The little Whittle sausage. Whittle little. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, um, also, so. <laughs> I have come across Whittle. Multi- there was actually, the word Whittle was used in the book as well. I did have it as a note. And oh no, I... we should have paid attention to that if any of our British words showed up in the book and then talked about that because pansy is in it as well yeah we should have actually done that yeah i know <sighs> that is a smart suggestions thank you very no, much stupid brain. i should have shared the fact that it was in the book yes. before so you could I mean, come up with this delightful thing i mean since the next section is the book segment anyway we should have talked more about how we covered the book because that would have really made things easier because dear listeners guess what we didn't have any structure for how to cover a book because we've never done it before. And it was wild. It was very wild because, surprise, I took it literal. She didn't. I and mean, here we are. Because nobody saw that coming. Yeah. I think we can, we can agree that considering the episodes will end up being pretty amazing. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we had a great time. Like, I had a really, really good time. It was so much better than I had hoped yeah. when we first realized how different our approach was. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, luckily I was extremely sick and I could barely speak for longer than five seconds without coughing. So, oh we my had God, to is this the first time up. in like ages that both of us are not severely sick and we record? I think so. Look at this. Oh my Go God. Go us. I mean, both of us have like a remnant of a cough so sometimes it still sneaks out but mostly both of us are okay-ish and I mean the episode that came out this week when we are recording this is the Lux interview where I sound like walking fucking deaf and the episode that we did record this last week has you sounding like you're dying because you couldn't breathe so um yeah 
Yeah, well, listen, we did a really good job at getting it done. Oh, and yeah. it was a lot of fun. And even though we, we ended up doing the book over three sessions, like yeah. getting together for slightly shorter sessions that we usually do and actually going through it in a surprising amount of detail. I really, really enjoyed doing that. So I hope that you guys are going to be enjoying that throughout the so few weeks many that it's going to be coming out. So many hints for the future. You're going to have to wait two more weeks. We're totally not sorry. <laughs> Speaking but- of the book, it is time to talk about the book. But oh, sorry. Yes. Before we talk about the book, it's time to drink. Cheer. Shots, 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 shots. Whew. Did you know that beer does not have a very long uh, best before date when you buy it? Yeah. Yeah. So Well, it depends which beer. That normal... Standard classic beer. And so um, usually one of my friends brings me my beer in caskets. So I always have one casket of wheat beer, one casket of Radler and one casket of Lager. Um, And obviously I also had that before I left for Dublin and I didn't finish. That's what he said. And so I came and I... True. Sorry. Yeah. um, (laughs) Well, it depends on how you train them. Um, So I... Went to Dublin, <laughs> and obviously someone else took care of my place, but that person is not a big beer drinker, so they did not drink all my beer. In fact, they didn't drink any of my beer. So I came back, and all the beer that I had before I went to Dublin was still there. And I came back, and I was like, oh, great, I can have a beer. And so I drank one, and it tastes perfectly fine, and then I realized that it's actually not uh, within the best before date anymore because the best before date was February 18th of this year. But yeah, the best before date... It's fine, it's alcohol, it lasts. No, no, no. The best before date is just like a safety recommendation bullshit thingy. You can usually safely consume stuff long after the best before date. But still, all the beer I have in my house is past its best before date past its best before date and um, funnily enough the same goes for the beer I have at work but and I don't know why I'm actually gonna have have to ask some of my more uh, beer knowledgeable friends when I open the beer at home nothing happens it behaves like completely normal beer when I open the same brand and type of beer at work it foams crazily well so I'm very so curious. I have two questions for you. One, do you store them in the same temperature? Yes. Okay, in that case, second question. Have you checked with your co- co-workers if they dropped the case or kicked it or something when you were away? They are stored in the fridge, the bottles. There's no well, way of kicking sometimes, it. Well, sometimes people like knock it out and, and if something falls down. No. Things like that. Very, very, very unlikely, especially since every single bottle at my workplace behaves the same and at my home place behaves the same. So is there is there like any chance that they took them out of the fridge to store their something Very else? unlikely. Very unlikely. Well, because this is the only thing that I can think of. Otherwise. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, I'm just uh, because at work it's like, oh. Kind beer for fear. Oh, it's 4 p.m. in the afternoon, so now I can drink beer. And sometimes when you have a lot of calls and then you have one more call, you're like, oh, you know what? I deserve a beer. I am going to do this last call. It's an internal call. Let's 
pop a cult one open. I like it. And so uh, that's what I, I will do. As well sometimes. And so on, I think on Tuesday, Lottie brought me a beer and I was, and she was like, oh, it's foaming, it's foaming, it's foaming. And I had to drink uh, quite a bit of it so that it wouldn't spill over. <laughs> So that was funny. Okay, now I need to pee before we go into the book segment. <laughs> you can so keep we talking. Have currently finished two segments. I find it absolutely incredible that the uh, I will tell you two, four, six, eight, twelve, fourteen, seventeen, twenty words in my notes. Twenty words have taken us an hour and a half, which is really great because this is the 20 words at the beginning of my notes and then I have like a, a page of notes of other things which I mean to be fair the new things are going to be a little bit more nuanced the notes so they're like sentences and stuff like I use words like uh, I, I, I use verbs and adjectives and punctuation and stuff like that which is shocking I know I know I get it but you know the, uh, these are the, the interesting things that are currently awaiting us with a bunch of stuff that we have drunk us so um, yeah full uh, full speed ahead we're gonna be doing a great time and Lena is back from her pee break pee pee and I'm gonna keep all of this in. So, um, you're welcome. <laughs> what can I say except you're welcome? Um, okie dokie. la 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 la. <clears throat> now, now, book segment. Yes. Uh, did you notice that now is no. one of your uh, favorite words to start sentences nowadays? It is. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Sorry. I know that it is. However, I still you know feel it like it's better than saying like. I cut out both, so I don't care. Listen, at least as long as you can cut it out, I think we have no problem. Same as I am constantly cutting out. And so, oh, and yeah. so, and so. I feel like there should be like a function to identify <laughs> the same oh, fucking there words there and is. then Actually, automatically cut them out. Speaking of there is, and Brendan was talking about it last night. However, and I completely agree with him on this one, I do not trust an automatic function because what are the perimeters? Like, you never know what kind of perimeters they're going to be using. Parameters. Perimeters. Parameters. 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 That sounds very Czech. I love it. No! Are... <laughs> R is like completely on the other side. So I, I say R, which is <laughs> H, H. Feels more like Dutch thing because that is created in your throat. While R, our rolling R, R is created at the very tip of your tongue. So Dutch so, is a phlegm language with the Yeah, <sighs> yeah. It creates phlegm and it's from phlegm. I'm very sorry, <sighs> dear Dutch listeners. I don't know if you have any, but if we do, I'm terribly sorry. I love your country. Fun <laughs> So yeah, no. Um okay, book <laughs> segment. It is now Whee! time to talk about the book. The book. Not the book, but a, a book. A, no, the book. book. This is the book. the book. This is the book that started it all. The bigger book of the book. 
the yes. book that contains the book. And this is also the book why we're all here. So like yeah. I said, I separated my book segment into better in the book, better in the show and general thoughts about the book. And I okay, talked well. about this obviously at length when we talked about the book episode, but... I reduced it down to my most important things. So I did a similar thing. I didn't really separate it into those categories. I have four kind of a points and uh, the last kind of an overall thought over the two. So the important information that I have that are comparing the two and mainly about the book and like the biggest gripe that I have with the book, uh, with the show that uh, is, I have it kind of there so I feel like you should you you have it better structured so you walk us through it and I'm gonna add <laughs> my opinions on top of yours is anyone surprised that I have more structure no um, fuck you this is how we work woman you deliver the creative content and I deliver <laughs> and I provide the structure within which your creativity may flourish. I mean, we, we know that this is the best we can do and this is making us who we are. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Fuck you for working thing. well with me, even when I want to murder you. Um, so, yes, I love you too. <laughs> okay, you go ahead. Better in the book, I have two main points that I really, really preferred within the book. And that yeah. is every single child character, mm -hmm. but especially the them. They are so much more fleshed out. We get so much more different characters that are simply missing in the book show because of reasons the them especially have so much more depth within them they have more standing they are more interesting and also the dialogue that we do get for all of the kids but especially the them is more interesting to me yeah so that is one of the big things for me it goes so much more into detail and they are so much more important in the book into the apocalypse itself and into what adam brings to the final battle and stuff like that and to them are, as well yeah yeah no like the, the them are extremely or important in orchestrating what happens in the apocalypse and in what whatever happens with Adam which is something that is very loosely shown on the show but nowhere near enough the thing for me is the book and this is one of the general thoughts the book the heroes in the book are children The heroes in the show are the husbands. That's one of my points. Neither is better than the other, but it is very different. Yeah, as I as I wrote down when I was making my notes and was cohesive as well. Uh, cohesive? Cohesive. When I was cohesive still. See, that's another reason to say that. It is extremely enjoyable, but it does put accent on the ineffable husbands. They do carry the story on the show. Yeah, They are elite of the show, which is not the case of the book. Which for me actually is one of the things that I like better in the show, because I do enjoy the ineffable husbands so much more in the show than I do in the book. They are entertaining in the book, but they are not as much a source of pleasure and delight as they are yeah. to me in the show. 
they're there. The other thing that I really, really want to mention that is better in the book because it is always what is better in the book, not just in this case, but in every single case, it is the insights into the inside. And I was very proud of myself when I wrote this down. <laughs> because yeah, I can see the, why. The medium of writing provides us with the inner monologues, with the inner thought process. It gives us so much exposition that within a different medium like television or movies, it is simply impossible to provide. And so the insights that we gain within the book about the inner workings of our characters just gives me so much more on every level. It is, there is a most obvious character that this is true for and that's dog exactly and as much as i enjoy the way they use god to talk us through the story and they really really try to they utilize god for that yes yeah and they really try to to give us what's important but unfortunately they can't do it to the expense of what we have in the book and i think god i think dog suffers the most as a character from that point of view i just realized they all suffer on that side but i just realized that dog and god are palindromes to each other so it is very fitting that god is the one to provide us with the inner workings of dog did you only just now i I was aware of this but (laughs) it makes so much sense that god is providing the inner workings of dog because of the palindrome (laughs) and you you make fun of me or you are pissing on me for using puns and shit like that and making jokes like that. And now you go in and then you just like drop what? them on my This is not head. a pun. It's a fucking palindrome. I know, but that's like the same principle. No, of no, 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 no. It's language based. Very different things. Please reach <laughs> out to us if you agree with me that a pun and a palindrome are very different things. Oh, no, they are different things, Gosh. but they are both language based. Yeah, so... so is talking to you and I am not opposed to that. Even though I'm opposed to puns. Wow. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> wow. I mean, I think, I, I guess I should take this as a compliment. But I'm just going to move on from it. Yes. Sorry. Um, no worries. What's the next thing that you want to share, share with us about the book? One thing in the show that I really, really love, and I feel we did not talk about this enough in the actual book episode, or we will not have talked enough about this in the book episode because <laughs> it is coming out in the future, and that is Futur, Future 2 in uh, Latin grammar. I had nine years of Latin, I'm sorry. The one thing that I absolutely adore within the show and that I was severely missing within the book is all the extra prophecies that we get shown and that we get to experience and that our characters get in contact with. Because the book has a dwindling amount of them and the show has so many extra and they are so beautifully set up and visually nicely done and everything. So I really love the extra work that they put into this because Neil must have written them or he must have taken it from material that he and Terry had and did not use for the book. And that is actually my assumption. And I don't want to know if I'm wrong because I really want this to be right. So do not put it on the questionnaire. Got it. Exactly. And also do not send me any information that you might have on this. (laughs) 
but the extra yeah. prophecies provide such a curious level mm. for Agnes, for the characters, for the entire universe that we are within in this show. This is one of my favorite things about the show. I really have to say. Okay. Um. Well, do you have? Wait, did you go through all your other segments? My last thing that I like better in the show is another very obvious one because I like mm-hmm. to close off my stuff with very obvious <laughs> things. And that Shocker. is the show updated some of the writings, some of the language, some of the perceptions, some of the positions for everything. Characters, yeah, so this is... statements, um, ideas, concepts. Mm-hmm. And I know this it's is... like, oh no, it went woke. No, it fucking <laughs> didn't one of the persons who wrote it was still around to have reality and growth have an effect on something he and one of his best friends wrote decades ago that is not yeah. going evoke that is being a decent fucking human and, and, and i love it yeah this is actually believe it or not my first note on the book Aww. That I've made. I love that. Uh, it is, you know, like the differences in the the adaptation in general. It is extremely accurate. Yeah. It doesn't change the book. Uh, the show doesn't change the canon. It adds to it. Yes. And it makes it more wholesome. And it catches up the story with the times. So that is like my first note on the on the book is we're making it better because we know better. And I say we, I mean Neil. But this is very very perfectly put it it is better so, because we know better and he gave it the space to be better yeah. i love that and it i love it that doesn't necessarily mean that it was bad or it did no, anything no. wrong back then it, it was a child that, of its time but yeah. it didn't have to stay a fucking child exactly it doesn't need to stay the same in order to be beautiful and in order to be better so that's that's my first note and the, the next thing i really really loved about the show is it gives us easter eggs that don't necessarily (laughs) make sense without the book but unlike in other cases the easter eggs don't disrupt the storytelling process yes that was really really well done that is a really good point so for example we have an elvis standing in the background in the diner and yes i went like oh why is elvis there and i (laughs) recognize it's elvis but it doesn't it take you out take of the story. Away. Yeah, yeah it, it's just part of the story and you don't really need to know what the fuck is going on. Like somebody comes up, came into the shots wearing the Elvis cosplay, whatever. I don't need to know that. But if I read the book, I know why it's there and I know all the, uh, all the things around it. And I really, really love that. The next thing is, you know what? A few things been left out and it's... We know that it's for probably for money or time reasons, but I would still prefer to have them there. So <laughs> there's a few little details that I would rather have. So, for example, if we could find a way to uh, get an extended cut, get an yes, get an extended cut, get get the bikers in there because so, they're so fun. No, seriously, the the one thing that is missing in the show from the book that I was missing the most is Greasy Johnson and. Johnsonites because this is such a relevant part for Adam to reach his conclusion as to why the war between heaven and hell is so fucking stupid. Yes, because it puts things in perspective for us. And for him, because despite being the freaking Antichrist, he is still 
a child. So he needs yes. it on a level that relates to him. And this is what Gracie Johnson and the Johnsonites and Adam and the them are. They are the two opposing factions and Tedfield is the world. Because to Adam, Tedfield is the world. Indeed. Now, there is one thing and one thing only that I have a gripe with. Mm. And it's something that I... Now I'm curious. We will talk about it in the detail on the on the book episodes. But the one thing that made me angry and I didn't understand why it is changed. And like, I, did, I just don't understand the reasoning behind it because it just makes no sense on the show. And we have complained about it when we were covering the last episode. It's the way the kids dispose of the horsemen. Ah, because I was like, what? So, yeah, yes, 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 no. absolutely. And it, that's the one thing when I'm like, I in, with every other change and addition and it makes reduction, sense. It was I understand where it's coming from. But with this, give it's them the such five minutes. Small, yeah, give them to, give them the extra two minutes. Yeah, it would it's not, not be even more, five minutes. No, it would not be more than five minutes to have Adam be like, "I need your help. Grab our bikes, and we need to we need to do this one other thing." Because he already is telling them what to do. So even without exactly. the added explanation, just have Adam tell them, "Okay, I need you guys to do this." Or what I actually expected, and I never brought this up again, and I'm so sorry because I referred to this in episode one when we cover episode one. They have all the items already in the camp. They just needed to. Grab them. That's true. And so, I actually, when we recorded episode one, that was my expectation. That they would just grab the item and fight the riders with that. I just don't understand why this was changed because... This is actually something I want to put on the list if we yeah, ever get let's... to talk to Neil. Because, yes, fine. Absolutely. If they don't have time to make the item, okay. But why have the items in episode one present and then not use them? Yes. Because remember, we Be talked about this. There is the sword, there is the crown and there is the scale. And all of them are hanging in their camp. They already have them. Yes. And in the book, they create them, they make them out of whatever they have available. So you kind of understand that, like, maybe they didn't want to go through that. But, like, if they yeah. already have them, so, like, also, what's they going already on? showed them. And exactly. they forget so it's, it? It's just, like, it, it is the one singular thing. If I look at the show and the book, it's the one singular thing that I don't understand why they ended up doing it this way. Why the change? Because... The change made it worse. Yes. It's the one time the change made it actually it is worse. Sing it is literally the one singular change that made it worse, not better. Yes. I agree 120% with what you said. I have added it to the question list. Yes, I know. Gasp. This has become a theme today that I actually agree with you or... And or are impressed by your analysis. I, I can't. I can't. I just can't. <laughs> I mean, to be fair... I can't. I, can't. No, to be fair, it should not come as a surprise because as people in the future will know, once they have listened to the book episode, your insight and love for the book is much bigger than it is within me because I do not share the same level of appreciation for the book. Even... 
after we reread the book and recorded five hours, over five hours of audio on this, she still does not share the same passion about the book. I feel we should shame her. Ding, 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 shame. Ding, 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 shame. And for people who have ever known anything about Game of Thrones, this is a reference for you. Ding, 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 shame. They crept a yawn in there somehow. Um, and because I do not share the same level of appreciation for the book as Vero has, to wrap up the book segment for me, I truly have to say, despite a few exceptions, the show gives me more. And I am happy about that because it is an extremely rare occurrence for me. Mm-hmm. I could not tell you Another instance where the show or movie adaptation is giving me more than the book. Yeah, I agree. And so this is rare for me and I am happy that it, it that it at least happened once within my life, you know? And I'm pretty sure it would not be the case had not Neil himself been the one to make this show. Yeah. You know what that's the thing. Like for me it is an amazing adaptation. And it's extremely enjoyable. It does change the way they tell the story a little bit. And I understand that. And I understand why and the reasonings behind it. Like, it it comes across. And a lot of the love comes across. And But in the end of the day, we... We are never day older. <laughs> she was drinking, I'm sorry. Yes, uh, I still got it in day, there. In the end of the day, I want to kind of... In the end of the day... We're still another day older. Book will always be more to me than any sort of adaptation. And it doesn't matter how good of the adaptation this is. If anything comes close, it's this one. But there will always be a preference for me to the book. because, And the reason is very, very simple. Because if you are reading a book, it's much easier to get the behind the scenes on certain characters or oh, all yeah. the characters. Yeah. And I appreciate that and I love imagining things. And even if I read this book and reread this book and I have very much set... The, the casting is so good on the show that... If I reread the book, I will see the actors and I will hear it said. I hear the dialogue set in their voices. That's how good the adaptation is. It still is, to me, always going to be better than the show itself. But, and we will be talking about this in the book episodes. We will have been talking about this, you mean. Fuck off. (laughs) The combination of the two is so good and it adds to the story it so much that there's no other there's no other Vero has no words gonna show fuck you <laughs> no there, there's just no other comparison nothing else compares nothing, Co- nothing compares to these two things in a combination to you okay Sinead <laughs> Let's move on to the next segment, a.k.a. let's move on to drinking a little bit more. Dear Good Omens fans who have not listened to us do Lucifer, I am so sorry because you had literally no warning for this because our Lucifer fans 
Swallow, don't spit. Our Lucifer fans listen to us get drunk during normal recordings on a specific, on a normal level? Uh, yeah, originally we were used to drink when we were recording. Then and we then, realized that our recordings are five hours long. And yes. And this is not the way to go. But... And then we were like, okay, we're going to record episodes sober and get completely shit-faced for summoning episodes. We did that well. And that worked amazingly. But we have never once recorded a Good Omens episode while drinking drinking slightly so i am terribly sorry that you did not know what you were getting into you are welcome now it is time to start with the questionnaire and because this is just one season it is kind of shortish we have eight actual <laughs> questions two for episode one two for episode three and four for episode six and of course we have two questions that we just thought of during this episode but who knows what Sober Us is going to do about them. So let's get into it. Let's get down. Let's get down. Let's get down to... No. Let's get down to business to let's defeat the Huns. Oh, you have never seen Mulan. Aww. So Mulan... Disney. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah, no, I know. I know. But this is uh, Make a Man Out of You. <sighs> Uh, How could you? I make a man out of you? Be because a, she's a man. Woman? Yeah, but he's trying to make a man out of everyone in his like uh, regiment because they all suck. So except for Mulan. Well, she goes by Ping during that, so because he couldn't think of a better name for her male version. So yeah. Yes, questionnaire. Questionnaire. <laughs> okay, sorry. Let's get that. So let's get into it. Episode one. It starts as it will end with a garden. Does it end with a garden? And so, in my opinion, it's a question of how you define where is the actual end because it does end with a nightingale singing in Berkeley Square while two angels are dining in the Ritz. But Adam does escape from a garden and then he steals an apple. So, technically, yes. It could be, but also no. Give us more. So we want more context and also we probably should double check if it's in the book because I do not remember that it is in the book. I mean, the garden is in the book, yeah, but the, I don't remember <laughs> this specific sentence being in the book. The so. Garden Eden is in the book. Yes, yes. No, I didn't mean Garden Eden. I mean Adam Garden. Yes, and both gardens that, that the garden at the start, the garden at the end are both in the book, but it's the statement in the book is my question. Speaking... To the fact that we're both not sober right now, the next question is actually perfect. Because how does the sobering up process work and why is it so gross? <laughs> I am never going to sober up that way because I refuse to put myself through that. And also it leaves a very gross aftertaste apparently, so can we not? Yeah, gross. I mean, it's better, is it, is after this better after like getting your booze out of your veins this way? Or is it worse if you like get sick? Well, throwing up releases adrenaline. And so uh. I think throwing up actually is less disgusting because you get happy, happy chemicals. No, I don't like it. Like neither seems like fun. Mm -hmm. But I mean... Throwing up because you drank alcohol feels much less gross than throwing up when I had to uh, consume my medicine that made me throw up extremely violently. No, so, bad. Foo. Boo, boo. That was, girl, never have I ever. Wow. Episode three. 
What was the first time that the arrangement happened and what was needed for Crowley to actually convince Xerophel to do it for the first time? Since the first time is the hardest. Oh my god, when I wrote this, like, wow, there's all the innuendo in there. Damn. Okay, I love this question. This is by far my favorite question. This is my most important question if we ever meet Neil or... Michael Sheen or Michael David Sheen Tennant. Or David Tennant. I, this is my most important question and I want to yes. ask it exactly phrased this way. <laughs> yeah, it was phrased this way. Also, episode three, why does Xerophel not speak French? Oh, yeah, because that doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Like, he's supposed to be able to speak to anybody, but he doesn't speak French? What? Yeah, it makes no sense. Also, I just realized that I type that I spell Xerophel different in literally every single question, so I just had to correct this. <laughs> and you yell at me for shorten up to Ozzy. No, 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 I yell at you because you fail at pronunciation. Because you fail at pronouncing Xerophel, but have you noticed that you've gotten a lot better when it comes to that? Yes, because I have been conditioned into saying it a certain way. Oh, by whom? By you. Really? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I did. It was not an active process on my side. Oh, because you listened to me so much and now you're saying it like I say it. Oh, that is cute. We have four more questions, all from episode six. Number one. According to IMDb, David was actually driving a burning car. True or false? This is a great question. It is a great question, but I don't see this being real. I me neither, don't. but... I love when there's bullshit on IMDb because, like, you remember some of the instances when I asked a question during a Q&A, like, the internet says this. Would you please elaborate? Because sometimes you get such wild shit. Like, remember Cindy, was it, with the, I climbed the most uh, remote mountain or something, right? I don't remember that because I wasn't there. <sighs> I think I was busy doing something else. That was, it was, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Cindy Sampson but or something. Cindy Sampson, for all of you out there, is absolutely incredible. If you ever get a chance to meet her, she is gas. She is so funny. So do it. No, 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 no. Yes, yes, it was Cindy. So, the Wikipedia page of Cindy says, In February 2012, she traveled to Bouvet Island in the South Atlantic Ocean, the most remote island on Earth, and climbed to the island. Summit while filming the doku fiction movie Expedition for the Future. And so I queued up for her QA and I asked if that was true and like if she could add any context to this. And her answer was long and hilarious and amazing. It was so fucking cool. So yeah, this is one of the few things that I really, really love doing with like smaller guests at conventions. You look up random shit that the internet claims on them and then you ask them about it. And sometimes it's like, wait, what? <laughs> um, because like when I was at Survival, two of the actresses, according to the Wikipedia page, were married. And they're not. This was a ship that got out of hand from the characters on the show. 
And so someone like queued and asked this and was like, okay, like I know this isn't real, but like this was on your Wikipedia page. And she was like, wait, what, 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 what? And her PA was Tall Keith. So ah, I sat down and I I sat down and I took like all the screenshots of the history of the Wikipedia of the Wikipedia page because you can actually go through the editing process of Wikipedia and see mm-hmm. who made which changes when. And I just I, I took all the screenshots and I sorted through them and I saved the most relevant ones. And when it was my auto, I came up and was like, okay, Tolkien, can I have like an extra 20 seconds to explain the weird chaos that was during her Q&A? And he was like, yeah, because he tried to explain it to her and it was like all a bit confusing. It was like, okay, so look here, here's the screenshots. And this is why some people might assume that you guys were actually a couple. And she was like, and anybody can just write whatever they want there? It's like, yep. And then anyone else can correct them. And she was like, okay, that is kind of fucked up. I was like, welcome to the internet. So it was so wild with random shit on the internet. Sorry, random tangent. Good times. Back to the questions. The second question for episode six is, what do angels get paid with? Because we do learn in episode six that they actually do get paid. And you do remember me complaining about them not understanding the concept of paying for stuff because it made Mm -hmm. no sense. But yeah. It's a low priority question. Question number three in episode six. Ooh, that was one of my gripes. In the pub, Crowley can see Aziraphale, but Aziraphale can't see Crowley, apparently. Why? And I still feel like, is it really that way? Or like, what? I just want to know everything about this scene because, well, we have set in the space, in the yes. spots where the two of them set. When they were shooting this scene, and which reminds me, side note, please send me the pictures from. Uh, I sent from, uh, you the. Did not, no, did you not. sent me send me the pictures from the the whatever yeah. park, no, 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 but no, you no, didn't no, send right. me the pictures from James's park. But yeah, that's a r- random note for you to send me that, so I can play around with it. But yeah, so we said where they were sitting. And she said I want to where, know everything. She said where Aziraphale was seated and I said where Crowley was seated. Shocker. So, yes. Yeah, I know. It's very, very unexpected from the two of us to, to be choosing these spots. But yes, the pub is really good, by the way. It has really good beer. Yes, so I recommend. great beer. Absolutely recommend. Even though I wasn't supposed to be drinking, but... <laughs> I mean, it was it was before you were banned from drinking, so it was no, fine. I was just not supposed to. So yeah, it was just like yeah, you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Not like you can't be drinking. Exactly, I wasn't supposed to. The final question for episode six is one of my absolute favorite questions because it is when did Aziraphale lose his last fuck? <laughs> That's a great question. I uh, really, really love it. And I feel like it goes so well with the how did the arrangement come to pass? Like, when was the first time? Because that was the first time he had less fucks to give. And so we want to know the first time he had less fucks and the time he had no fucks. Yes, we want to know all of the details of fucks. Yes! Especially when it comes to Crowley and Zerafel. And during the recording so far, we have found two questions for the summoning episode. And that is, did Zerafel invent beer with the monks in Germany? Yes, he did! And the second question is, why are they not using the items to defeat the horsemen as they did in the book? In the book, they create the 
items in the show we see the items in episode one around their camp was this forgotten about or what is the reason just a flaming sword was used to fight the horsemen and because I was drunk when I wrote this it is very lengthy and I shall try to shorten it when I'm sober it's fine and this concludes the questionnaire and this was way longer than I anticipated we did so well we have finished with the questionnaire and it is now time for predictions this is a prediction of good omens here. It's a prediction of season two. This is a prediction. It's happening now. I love this place where we end it. For the first time in the history of this podcast, we don't know anything about what the future might hold. And so there is no spoiler warning because there are literally no spoilers. If we happen to be correct with any of our predictions, it's just because we get lucky, not because we actually know anything. No, it's because we are smart. Yeah, no. So (laughs) Not right now anyway. During six episodes and various bonus episodes, there were two questions that came up that we asked, that hopefully end up being answered in the season two, which is why I put them in the prediction segment and not in the questionnaire. Because this is not like a question that we're going to ask anyone was, that was involved. This is These are questions that we hope are being answered in the next season. Question number one is, did Agnes know Anathema burns the book and did she plan or prepare for it? So this is something that I I have taken a liberty to to write an answer to. Well, I mean, we will have been covering the book and I feel like the book does answer this much better than the show. I feel like it is kind of obvious if you really look at it and the way it is. If Agnes knew that the two lawyers have opened the box, if Agnes knew that the entire end of the world that we have seen on season one or in the book was going to turn out this way. She did know. We know that she knows. How wouldn't she? She must have known that Anathema would burn the book. She must have. Hence, I suggest she has a con- contingency con- contingency plan. That's the worst accent I've ever sounded. <laughs> she has a con. <laughs> I'm going to try this again. <clears throat> I suggest that she has a con... I have it written down in front contingency. of me. Contingency. Okay, Say it. Contingency, contingency, contingency. Contingency, contingency. No, contingency. Conting- contingency. Contingency. Okay. I suggest that there is some sort of a contingency plan for this. Maybe there is a- another lost descendant who will come to play. Ooh. Or... Or there is going to be another copy of the book delivered to Anathema. But I do not think that Anathema and Newt are out of the play just yet. My prediction based on this is I fully agree with you. Agnes will have a contingency plan for this period. There is no debate How can you say it so easily? Because each of us have words that we can't say. Remember when I was failing with the negligent? (laughs) Negligent? Yeah. See, sometimes for you it's fucking easy and I'm like struggling. So we each have words. Oh no, I remember the medical terms. Yeah. Yeah. I was very good. Oh my God, when I did the drug episode. Oh. 
Happy Happy Grace Anatomy Day. Wow, that was wild. I struggled <laughs> every single fucking word. Okay, no. And I, I was like, oh yeah, you mean this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Let's go on. No, I am 100% in agreement with you. Agnes has a contingency plan for this. But Newt and Anathema are done. Anathema has done everything that she needed to do. And I think, just like you said, there is going to be a lost descendant akin to Madame Tracy's powers. Ooh. I did not see that coming. I like it. So someone who has visions themselves, but is not as powerful as Agnes was, is some kind of lost descendant from the line. And there will be another box with, what's in the box? What's in the box? That will help them navigate the fields of prophecy and how to deal with all of this. So that is my expectation and my prediction. I like it. I like it. The second like, question. I agree. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go on. Okay. No, the no, second on. question. Don't and stop uh, chugging your whiskey. I saw that. I know what you're talking about. Exactly. Your glass is empty. Glass empty is glasses empty. at the window. <laughs> No. So the second question that we raised. Did you finish your bottle? No, no, no. I have a few more. And I I don't know if you have other bottles. Did you finish your bottle? No, no, no. There's still a little bit left. Okay. Like this much. Mm -hmm. Don't chug it. We're not done yet. Okay. The second question that we wrote down during the coverage of the season. Where will the ineffable husbands end up in relation to the big apocalypse? I have not read those two questions that we have created. And yes, we have done those, but we have came up with them together. But I kind of wanted myself to be free of that. And I wrote my things and I was like, oh, fuck, actually, I am covering both of these. (laughs) But (laughs) nice, nice. I think that you are true. Fuck you. The the true apocalypse, as in the way we see it and the way Zerafel mentions it. Crowley. Us versus them. Crowley. Whatever. Hey, credit where credit is due. Love Crowley. Whatever. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But yes, I think for the next season, the big apocalypse, us versus them, is going to be the main plot. Really? Because I don't. I think this is going to be happening. And... It's going to be heaven and hell against humans. While also, as we're doing this, Crowley and Israfel will go, well, we're on the side of humans because humans are obviously superior to those fuckers. So they are going to be in the middle of this. They're going to put themselves in the middle of this while also being targeted by Gabriel and Beelzebub and all of them because they hate them in the first place. Curious, curious. They will be the center point of the entire season two, is my prediction. So I agree with you that the ineffable husbands will continue to be the center point of season two, but... I actually don't think that the big apocalypse, as in humans versus everyone else, is going to be the main plot for season two. Mm. And the reason behind this is we will have been talking about this in the book episode that... We will have been talking about this. Future this two. such an English way. To no, this is, this is taken from Latin, trust me. Um, it's called no, 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 I know it is, but like also it is yeah. like very much like yeah. 
this is the 16th tense of an English language. We will have been talking about, we will have, yes. have had been talking. About, There's I'm no sorry. future three. Yes. There's only future two. I have literally trauma from this from school. So that's why. Future two is only Go. in Latin. So it's fine. It's totally fine. Mm. <laughs> Everything is so sad. Amazing movie. Everything is cool you find everything. And the reason for this is, and we will have been talking about this in the book episode, we do know that Neil and Terry had more material. And my expectation and prediction is that they will use this material for season two. And one of the things that I came across is 668, The Neighbor of the Beast. And so you do remember that. It sounds familiar. I, I feel like I came across it just recently <laughs> how drunk are What? you no i'm very drunk at this point no okay. i mentioned this like a million times during the book episode no that's what i mean because like i feel like i have just heard it okay so and from what i and, researched and, like okay full transparency i have been like sinking parts of the book episodes <laughs> Today, so okay, it is okay. quite possible that, that you I just have heard, heard this today. It today. And so we know, or I know, according to my research, that one of the things that they wrote is six six eight, the neighbor of the beast. And since Adam is the Antichrist and the Antichrist is the beast, my prediction for season two is that Adam has not let go of all of his powers, and we actually will see him growing up. And there is going to be more relevant shenanigans with Adam and the them and that the ineffable husbands will have to get involved there. And then we will get a season three where Adam, the them and the ineffable husbands are the champions for humanity to fight against heaven and hell. I love that. That is my prediction. I am kind of seeing that for season two. <laughs> But okay, so I'm gonna. Do you have any more predictions for season two? Uh, like, I have tiny shit that I want to predict because I want to see it. But okay. that is, like, my final actual future future. Yeah. So, as it turns out, and I did not plan this, I have six points of predictions. Hit me. The first one is we will have the true apocalypse happening. Disagree. Heaven and hell against the humans. It is something that kind of comes into play, whatever... That is a possibility. So that's what I wrote down first. Second, we know from one of the maybe two of Neil interviews that we will be focusing on the ineffable husbands. We know that. Yes. He has mentioned that. So sub number two, they will be going out on dates and such. Will uh, they? But, well... This is my prediction. Okay. The two of them will be going out on dates and such, but heaven and hell are not done with them yet. That I agree with. So one of mine is heaven and hell will fuck with them on an annoying level. Like it's not going to be... Their relationship is not going to be threatened because that would be boring, but heaven and hell will be fucking with them on various levels and it's going to be a minor <clears throat> annoyance at least and potentially a danger for humanity around them at most yes i agree with that uh which brings me to my second point heaven and hell will try to take them out as well as the humanity so this is connected to the fact that i 
think that I think that the big apocalypse, the real apocalypse, is going to be happening in season two. And I think that they will be attacking the humanity as well as as Raphael and Crowley, which as a couple, they are completely hating and they are completely against. So this is what I think is going to be part of the plot. Okay. And then one more thing. I think that the two of them will be taking a very much more active role in saving the world. Because we know that in season one, as much as we were seeing a lot of things from their perspective, and we are seeing a lot of the things uh, kind of happening because of them, but it doesn't really matter what they do or whatever. Yeah. I think that this time they will have to take a very much active stand. They're going to actually have to be involved and not accidentally make things happen. Yes, exactly. So I think there are going to be much more active members of the plot this time rather than in season one. I have a few tiny, tiny bullshit things. Tell me. Tell One me of the everything. things that are more wonderings than predictions. Mm-hmm. We know that Aziraphal got reprimanded for doing too many miracles by Haven. And that leads me to the question, how much control does Haven have about the amount of miracles an angel can do? Which in turn makes me wonder how much control does Hell have about the amount of miracles a demon can do? And is this going to be something that they will be limited in? So will heaven and hell limit the amount of angelic slash demonic power the inevitable husbands have? And will they in turn turn more human? Hmm. Yeah. So that's a a, a musing. That is a very good point, actually. It's a a musing, not a prediction. Another thing is because I am so sure that we will get more of Adam and the them is... Will we skip the awkward teenage years and will we get a grown-up Adam? Or will we utilize the awkward teenage years and will we get an absolutely atrocious teenage romance? And if yes, will it be Pepper? Yikes. I don't like it. No, I am actually... (laughs) No, Jesus, Adam and Pepper. Look, okay... If we're going to be pairing anybody from the them It's with too Pepper, obvious for me to not at least mention it. No, no, you're right. You're not complete. You're absolutely not wrong. But I hate it. Yeah, me too. I fucking oh, hate me it. too. I hope I am absolutely wrong in even mentioning this. Um, I think, and this is going to be a wild one. I think... Brian Wensleydale. <laughs> Don't ask me where that came from. Sorry. <laughs> Because they're such opposites. I think that Adam is out of the story, actually. Okay, okay. I think that the powers he's shown at the end are the residue of him being the Antichrist. And not actual power, okay. Not actual powers. Because, no, like, if you read the book, it's very much undetermined. You kind of have Adam having these powers and you're not 100% sure what's going on. However, if you watch the show, there's multiple times mentioned that for the next couple of days, Adam is going to have the power of all creation or the reality will listen to him for the next few days. So you have all of these kind of hints that this is a very time-limited situation. So I feel like Adam is going to become the child that he wants to be. Which is a normal child. Which is a normal child. So you say no more Adam and no more them. And I say yes, Adam and yes, them. So there is only one of us that can be right. So that is already very, very great 
for us for season two because it's gonna be totally so. So that is I no, love that. I am no no no. I, love I am that. pretty sure that that Adam and them are out of the story at this point. We'll see. We'll this see. is my prediction. That is all the tiny stuff that I have. Like I say this, and the same for me personally goes for Shadowell and Madame. Oh yeah, Jason. yeah, yeah. They are out. They are too old. I'm sorry. They are done. They have earned their retirement. They have this conversation. They they had this whole thing. No, but like she we're literally be explains a together. Yeah. Whatever she explains everything. Yeah, she explained we're getting and a cottage. It's enough money for the two of us. It's gonna be fine. And they're gonna move there's... out of London. And it's gonna be grand. And they have a happily fucking ever after. Yeah, there's no difference between financing one person between two people. Yes. I mean, especially not if one person only drinks condensed milk and nothing else. (laughs) Oh my God, let's not start this again. Oh my God. The whole yes. You will have fun in the future episode. Trust me. It's a thing. That's all I'm going to say. So I think Shadowell and Madame Tracy are out of the picture as well. So, which means we have Crowley, Ozzy. No. Fuck you. No. Newt, I refuse. Newt Anathema. No, they're done. And then Host of Heaven and Hell. So I am fully in agreement Gabriel will be back. I yes. am curious if there's going to be consequences for Belzebub for basically fucking all of this up as yes. leader of hell. Or if there's going to be consequences for Haster for not catching Crowley when he had the chance. Oh my god, absolutely. There has to be. So I would not be surprised if either of them was not back or if either of them is back, they're gonna be marked. That is all the predictions and questions and assumptions, big and small, that I have for season two. We are now done with predictions. And so it is time to talk about the future plans of the Apple of Truth, which is us, our podcast. Who's that? The Wait, two is of it us. <gasps> oh, the two of us. I mean, as we have ripped repeatedly mentioned during this episode there will have been a recording of the good omens book where we talk about the book the differences between book and show and every little piece in the book that vero loves except the parts that she managed to contain within herself so we did not have to talk for 15 hours only five we at this point of time do not know how many episodes that actually are well, we know it's either going to be two or three. Yeah, we will see. Point. You will see. We will we'll see. see how it goes. It's all in the stars and in the future. It's about the editing magic. It's all magic. For you. After those book episodes, we will cover one of my opinion's best adaptations despite the lack of accuracy. And that is Stardust, which is, of course, a book written by Neil Gaiman. And the movie has some really, really, really great cast. And we will be... Like Ben Barnes, yes. (laughs) Not just him. No, I know. I'm joking. Both the book... Charlie Cox, big love. Also not who I'm talking about. Um... 
both the book and the movie have a very, very special place in my heart, despite the fact that they are very different and also very similar. And so we will be talking about this after we have covered the book. I want to go on record. I have seen the movie multiple times and by multiple times, I mean at least six, seven times. I I love the movie so much. And every time I see it, it brings me so much joy. It's such a good movie. I have never read the book. Okay. So this is how I'm coming into it. And we're going to be resolving these details <laughs> a little bit later. But today, I'm telling you, we're going to be covering the book. We're going to... We are going to be covering the movie and then the book. Yes. So, Veronica, as your very, very favorite podcasting host. Sure. I have a huge relationship with the movie. I have not read the book, even though I own it. So, there's a big things coming with this, just to let you know. Fun times ahead. Our hope and... Let's be honest, prediction is that during the time that those episodes come out for the Good Omens book and for Stardust movie and book, we will have information as to when season two of Good Omens comes out. Because we desperately hope that we can cover Good Omens season two right after it comes out, or rather right when it comes out. Should there not be any news of an exact release date or heavens forbid should there be news about it being delayed we will give you another update should the information be that oh no we're just a few weeks too early we will take another hiatus we will take another break and we will once again put a break time on our patron for the wonderful people who support us because while we're not doing anything you're not paying us because that's not how we roll. But this is how we roll only if we actually create things. Exactly. You will give us money. If you have never heard about a Patreon, do check it <laughs> <What's> out. that? <laughs> do check it Ooh. out. It's patreon.com slash TOT podcast, where we have, I think nowadays, 60 plus hours of bonus content that is only available to you if you are a specific Jesus. level of patron. So many hours. We highly recommend it because the bonus material is where our shenanigans and our hearts and our bullshit is in. So if you really want to know us, you need to listen to the bonus material because otherwise you get the sanitized version, I'm going to say. Yes. Yes, you do. Those are the future plans. Even if we do get season two in a timely fashion, then obviously we will be covering season two. But also after that, we will not be done. Do not worry, we are not going anywhere. We are aware that we have somehow turned into a Neil Gaiman podcast. That was <laughs> not our intention. It was not a plan, absolutely not. Who knows what we will be covering in the future, but... Thankfully, there are many, many, many game and shows that we could pick and choose from. We actually have met some of the actors that were on some of these shows. Ricky Whittle. <coughs> so we will see what we do, but we shall strive to stay in your ears for quite a while to come. See, this is the thing. We absolutely love making the podcast. Do we? And, well, I do. 
I don't know if Lina does. If this is the biggest question for me ever. Because I'm like the kind of a person who, uh, like, I value myself very, very low What? unless I get a validation. And hey, we've talked about this for the last bunch of years. Therapy is important. So anyway, in the end of this recording, I will value myself on the level of Lena, and I love her very, very much. You're so drunk. And you know what? Yes, I am drunk. I am very drunk but the important thing about this we love making this podcast 98% of the time we are having such a good time creating content for you guys oh no no we're creating content we have a great time 100% the only part that makes up this 1% where we don't have a great time is the management side of things and guess what that's never fun and no surprise it's also no fun with some Something that you love doing. Management is never It, great, no matter where. There's always a reason to not do this or like do it in a different way or whatever. Yeah. We are trying to find the best way to do this. No, we Between will us. find the best way. There is no try. You as a Star Wars person <laughs> know this. And so we will not do or do not. We will do. We will do find the best way to do this. And so there is no no end and we say this we say this with four hours on the clock yes as we are talking about this and with this we say thank you so much for listening we have been around for a good while now but we still appreciate every single one of you who are still here oh yeah it doesn't matter if you're listening It doesn't matter if you're listening and writing in. It doesn't matter if you're listening and supporting us on Patreon. Just the fact that there are people who want to listen to us ramble on and on and on about the things we love and enjoy gives us so much joy. So please keep doing this. If you want to reach out, we really appreciate it and we love hearing from you. And we'll see you soon in the future that has already happened. The Good Omens book episodes. Bye! Bye.